You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming. I'm inviting you each week to join me internationally here in the United States uh, from 10 a.m. West Coast time in or- from Oregon to 11 a.m. to learn more about your health and global warming and the power of water and what the importance of water is to your everyday health. Uh, a lot of individuals did not understand that global warming means depletion of water, water vapor uh, evaporating so quickly in the air, it's becoming drier. And because you're living indoors with forced air, heating, cooling, insulated windows and walls, synthetics and chemistry and your paints and your clothing and your bedding and your detergents and more, uh, I felt it's very important that you learn that you're living on an earth, that you learn to be, learn more about your health. Uh, it's exciting because each week we find that the segments and the subjects that we're using and applying to your education are very important. And when the show is over live, it goes on to World Talk Radio permanently. And you can listen at any time you wish and send your friends and family also to learn for better education about learning to live here on this earth and your health and the subjects about that. Today we have a lot of excitement. Uh, we have Lucian Gilson, who's an international skin esthetician uh, from Brussels, Belgium originally. She has practiced here in the United States. We're going to learn more about how to take care of your skin here, uh, especially coming up with the summer sun um, and the outdoors that you're going to be enjoying and how important that is, that, that care of your skin. And skin estheticians really do know how to take care of your skin. Uh, we're also going to have a special guest at the end of the show. Uh, we're going to have Barb Mains, who is the National Parks Director in the Olympic National Park for uh, Parks out of Port Angeles, Washington. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll have a moment for, uh, to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eye will drill dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome to the Sharon Climate Hour, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, our subject matter on the Sharon Climate Hour each week is uh, the power of water and global warming, and I felt today was so important with the summer coming up, everybody wanting to enjoy the outdoors and how important your skin is to you. I've invited Lucienne Gilson to be a very special guest. She's a, a skin esthetician, has given her life to that commitment and passion, and we're going to learn more about what how important a skin esthetician is to your... Uh, hopefully you'll begin to add that to your new regime uh, habits of thinking about going to take care of your skin with those who really have the professional ability to do so. Lucienne, are you with us? I am, but I do not hear you very well. Okay. Um, do you hear me better now? Yes. Okay. Thank you for saying so. Uh, thank you for joining us. Okay. And now, um, do you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Lucianne, before we begin, uh, let's tell our listeners about why you chose to be a skin esthetician because you've been doing this for several decades. You've studied, uh, uh, you're an international skin esthetician. Let's explain to them how important that, uh, that world is, but let's find out what you, why you chose it. <laughs> well, like most women, I believe, 
we don't like to age faster than we need to. And um, I just chose that career because uh, I just, I love it. And I am so glad I, I did choose. Now, did you find that uh, when you chose to be a skin esthetician uh, about over three decades ago that women were concerned about taking care of their skin here in the United States or other countries of the world? Uh, would you repeat the last part? Uh, did you, when you chose to be a skin esthetician uh, over three de- decades ago, were you finding that women in America didn't take as ca- good care of their skin as women in other parts of the world? That's right. I, I did find out. I thought I was going to, you know, come back into the state after my training and a uh, woman would knock my door down, but it didn't happen like that. Um, the only woman that came uh, were a little more sophisticated. They had been in big city and uh, already had to, tasted the benefits of having facials. And take let's, care of your skin. Yeah, let's explain then what, what I believe that could be is that in the United States, they still don't understand the passion and the commitment and training of a skin esthetician. Could you explain to our listeners what a skin esthetician, what, what is the description? Well, um, we can do things that you cannot do at home. And I believe too that one of the wonderful benefits of having facials is the manipulation, the massage. You know, massage stimulate everything, and um, I believe that's one big part of it. The massage. The massage. Now, is that and it, of course, you know, skin exfoliation or a massage of the? of the skin organ to kind of relax it before you begin to do any deep cleansing? Oh, mm, you do the cleansing first, you know, and then, and then um, you know, you want to really have a clean skin before you start. Okay, let's take our listeners. Lucianne, here, many people before our show, I found out, do not understand the training of a skin esthetician and how exciting of a training that is. They just think it's a glamorous thing to go do. They don't know how that a skin esthetician is doing a deep cleansing and a treatment with the skin that you cannot do at home. Explain step by step. If you go to a, if I would go to a skin esthetician, what's the first thing you do step by step? Well, first you clean, you know, kind of superficial cleaning. So what type of cleaning would you do? Do you uh, do you steam the face first? Do you go in and uh, you do. do? What do you do to the complexion or the facial uh, organ? What do you do for the first step besides just clean that would be different than they would do at home? Well, uh, really, nothing. I mean, you can do that at home, you know, cleanse your skin. And uh, How would you recommend they clean their skin? You know, every day, morning and night, and Especially, you know. What do you recommend that they use? What do you use? Well, I have used French product all along because I, that's when I was trained for, and I always trusted the French product, you know, the French, to be always... You uh, use French head. products? Pardon me? You said you use French products? Yes. Okay. And so if you're, are you using uh, a type of... Uh, uh, the soap, or are you using a cream? No, no, what do no you usually soap. apply before you cleanse? No soap. <laughs> no soap. No soap. No soap. No. And let's tell our listeners why you would not use soap. No. Definitely no. Why would you not use soap? No. Oh, because it's um, maybe too abrasive, or it doesn't clean in depth like a, a good uh, cleanser from a, a good, reliable uh, company. Is it because the skin organ uh, finds that to be uh, too harsh? Well, yeah. You it would leave a film. You wouldn't be able to rinse it all off. You certainly don't want to dry up your skin. I mean, <laughs> uh, our goal is 
to keep it moisture, moisturized, you know. Otherwise, it it starts wrinkling. You know what? What we're gonna the listeners need to know here is the skin organ, listeners, is the most vital organ of your body. It is, and it is the biggest. And it's made up of eighty to ninety percent water. Yes. And the outside of the skin, which is so influential to your whole organism of your body and influences of your health, that if you're using what you're using to clean the complexion and this and your skin, could be very harsh, very dehydrating. We'll say, in other words, de- rob moisture from the skin and leave a film after you think you've rinsed enough. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, you don't want to do that. And uh, so, what we're going to teach them. Okay, now, the, before we move on, there is a, there are different kinds of soaps made, we'll call them soaps, that are handmade soaps that you can buy at different places that are not the typical harsh, chemical, formulated, stronger soap um, that are being used. Do you, would you ever recommend any of those? Well, uh, I may be too old-fashioned, and I am not uh, knowledgeable about all the product that are on the market, I just uh, decide to just use things that are made specially for the skin, you know, just to to cleanse gently. And gently clean the skin without leaving a film. Pardon me? With, uh, gently clean the skin with a deep cleansing without leaving a film. Yeah, well, you know, then uh, the the deep cleansing come. You know, there is like three processes of cleansing when you. Okay, have let's a teach our li- uh, listeners about that. Let's, okay. Well, the first one is more like superficial. The second one is a deep bore cleansing, and then I use a very a gentle scrub to remove the dead cells. So when you apply moisture. And and uh, nourishing product, it will penetrate, you know. And so, uh, when you say the first one is superficial, what does that describe to our listeners? Well, it, it just remove all the debris, uh, the the, I mean the, the makeup. You so, know. what are you do? What are you doing when you go to do that? See, what I think it's going to be fun, exciting for our listeners to know. Uh, Lucien, our listeners are going to the pedicurist. They're going to a manicurist. They're having their hair done. Yes. They don't think enough about the skin. <laughs> Wouldn't it be exciting if they started looking at going to a skin esthetician more? Well, you know. And uh, so when they go to the skin esthetician uh, uh, to have a deeper cleansing and, and take better care of their skin for a maintenance for regular appointments, I'll bet, I'll bet you have a lot of customers who come with regular appointments. Yes, I do. And you said that the, the women in the larger communities, metropolitan areas and other parts of the world, did this more frequently than other women in other parts of the country that came from smaller communities, which obviously means they've traveled enough to understand that the skin esthetician and regular appointments can be very exciting, not just for slowing aging, for taking better care of the health of your skin. Am I wrong? That's right. Good. Now, um, that's exciting. Um, now, the skin esthetician goes to school uh, to learn uh, about the skin and how to take care of the skin, and you have a license international to be able to be a skin esthetician. Yeah. Well, what what know, is exciting, I think, and I believe, as long as I've been studying the human skin organ for for probably over 25 years just myself, yes. understanding the moisture levels and how important that benefit is, all natural moisture level, um, how, what, how important it is that you clean your skin very well, not just scrape it clean. So when you say you cleaned superficially the first step, what did, what did you do at your salon with your uh, client? To, what was what were you doing to keep clean it first superficially? Well, I, I just use a, a normal cleansing milk. What cleansing milk? What most? Yeah, cleansing milk. Oh. What most people, uh, women, uh, can buy, uh, you know, on uh, in in a department store or wherever. Now, did you say cleansing milk? Yeah, um, I use a cleansing milk. Uh, milk, M-I-L-K. Yeah, it just uh, huh. 
uh, comes in very gentle, different form too. I have a, another cleanser that I feel maybe cl- clean a little better, especially when you do things at home yourself. Um, if you want to, you know, do a better job in cleaning, but. Uh, so let's. Uh, you say that the what, the first step you use a cleansing milk. Yes. M I L K. The cleansing milk. And then a deep bulk cleanser. So if they were going to go uh, to look now, when you apply a cleansing milk, oh, how does that milk apply? Well, very lightly. You don't want to massage it because it's not supposed to really go. Okay, in. so that's the first step before you begin to clean your skin. Yeah, we, before you go in more depth. So let's say, a per, how do you apply a cleansing milk? Do you put it in the palm of your hand and use your fingers? Or yeah, is there an app, my, applicator? On my finger, the tip of my finger, okay. and, and spread it all over the face. Okay, what I recommend there, listeners, is uh, to start with, is when you're doing these things, kind of use your one hand if you're left or right-handed. Use your one hand as a little palette, and then put the, a, a, a product a little tiny bit of the product in your palate of your hand and take your fingers, tips of your fingers, and move it around on the complexion. And, of course, I would be recommending Nature's Mist before yeah. uh, product because that provides the moisture all natural uh, so that those products can move around nicely and prepare the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, let's say they've learned from you today that a cleansing milk might be a good way to go. Then you go to the second step. That's the exfoliation step. Uh, it's called the deep pore cleanser. A deep pore cleanser. You know, it just go a little deeper. Okay, and you do need a deep cleansing to detoxify. It, yeah, because the well, skin is carrying so much toxin. It's, uh, that is something a lot of our listeners don't know too. Is your skin carries so much toxin? And we wonder why we're getting viruses and illnesses and more. But the skin, by the way, uh, flushes more out through your body as a filter system than you possibly go to the powder room. Uh, the skin all day long is pushing out of your skin uh, those toxins all day long. So whatever you eat has got to go through the skin as a filter system. And your cleansing is vital. Um, especially around the eyes and the mouth and nose and the facial organ is thin. So before we moved on, I forgot to ask you, do they rinse off of course. the milk the milk first, the milk? Yes, very well. And, and when, what do you recommend? They use a, a, a wash rag, of course, and then you're dipping that into water. Yeah. To and then do you recommend they use? I have some special... Sponges that I use. You're using special sponges. Yes. And if they're doing that from home, well, they, they could use a wash rag and they're dipping into very warm water or hot water? No, warm water. Warm water. Warm and keep water. rinsing it well to get that film off. Yeah. To, yeah. And then they move to the second. There at, this, at your salon, the skin esthetician is... Rinsing it like you're using sponges to get it all off to make sure it's all removed right, and right. And, and Well, at home, you know, sometimes they just use their hands to splash it or a washcloth, you know. Do you uh, think the hands would be able to get the film off? To what? The film. Do you think hands can get the film off or a washcloth would no, be better? No, to get the, all the, you know, the, the milk off which, with the what it removes, like makeup and and. You know, so they could wear a shower cap if they were concerned about their hair. Now, uh, I have a we have a caller on to ask you a question, in it, uh, Lucien. Okay. Uh, Annette, are you there? Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have a question? Yes, uh, Lucien. I was. I have two questions. Um, I was hoping that you could shed some light on the controversy and over the safety of the propyls that are in some of the products for skincare. Of the what? Propyl. There's propyl. Um, ethylene, propyl, butyl, some of the propyls uh, that are in skincare cosmetics and cleaning agents are said to be contributing to breast cancer. Have you heard heard of that? I don't know if she will be able to do that with a okay. skin esthetician well, and that. Um, um, uh, let's move on to the next question. I recognize the name. 
the propyls, uh, she said there's, you know, there's different chemical ingredients and formulations called propyls in the ingredients today. And she said there was some discussion on it could cause a scant cancer. But that she, skin, skin estheticians are not able to uh, answer any medical questions. Yeah. Okay, but, well, I, what I, I know the okay, Annette, do you have another question? Yes, I was wondering what she would say is the benefit of using a peel for your face to slough off the dead skin and, and uh, let the, the skin regenerate itself. Well, it stimulates the growth of the cells, mm-hmm. new cells, and uh, you have to do that. It's really good. Okay. You, know, uh, we, you know that new cells come up every 20th day, I believe, and then the, other, the old cells have to be laugh off mm-hmm. and um, so you help in the process when you do some scrub light scrub or peel like you know can you overdo the peel well no if you you well uh, she's wondering if you should uh, how often you should do a peel yes. well once a week once a week okay yeah. so if you did it once a week and Lucian what is the best time to do a peel morning or night well certainly not before you go to the sun. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, it's better to do those things uh, before the summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you try not to go in the sun if, you know, right after you wait a few days before you go if you had one. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for your call, Annette. Enjoyed your call. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Okay, Lucienne, uh, we did learn something there because we're, we are coming to the summer sun, That's and right. uh, we're learning that they need to take better care of their sun, their skin because of that uh, sun and weather that we're going to be basking in and enjoying outdoor uh, recreation, and our lives are coming to do that all, all during the season. What do you recommend now? We're learning superficial we learned the cleansing of the exfoliation. What was the last step? And then we will go to a commercial. And, and Lucienne, when we go to our commercial, we will come and be coming right back. But let's talk about that third step before we go to the commercial. You mean uh, the, the peel or, or after? After. After. Uh, I usually put them with the moisturizer under the steam. Because uh, moisturizer under what? Uh, under the steam. Under steam. Yeah, and and I work it out with my hand. I work it in with the combination of the steam. It works water in the skin. Which, okay. You know. <laughs> Let's think about that now. The water. We were gonna we're gonna be right back, so don't go anywhere. Okay. And we'll have a com- uh, we'll ha- hear from our sponsor. And we'll come back and hear about that steam. Okay, Sam. We'll take a moment and hear from our sponsor. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Klein Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming. Um, I'm going to... We, we're talking to Lucianne Gilson, who originally trained to be a skin esthetician in Brussels, Belgium. She's an international licensed skin esthetician. Skin estheticians are individuals that you should really consider seriously to add to your routine of taking care of yourself. You're taking care of yourself with your hair salon. You're taking care of yourself at your physical gym. You're taking care of yourself with your nails. 
your, your pedicures, and more. I believe that skin is so vital to the body that the moment you were born and you left your pocket of water or your mother's water and you entered in the air you breathe, you begin to dehydrate, lose water, moisture every day. And the air is getting so dry, uh, causing because of global warming and more, that a skin esthetician to add to your wanting to learn more about what they can do to help you and their background and their expertise is vital to also adding to your everyday, uh, pardon me, your every monthly or yearly routine. When we left Lucienne earlier, we were talking about the three steps of cleaning the complexion. And uh, a lot of people think, well, it'll slow aging. Of course it's slow, it can slow aging. Um, um, but I'm, we're learning more about deep cleansing for the health of your skin. As you know, melanoma is on the rise. And uh, what can we do to learn more about this function of the skin and the health? Um, Lucienne, when we left for our sponsor, you were talking about the steam on, you use a steam on the skin, on the facial uh, skin. What kind of steam do you use? What kind of what? What do you use for your steam? <laughs> well, <laughs> are you using a facial steamer or are you using a steamed wash rag? Uh, what, what particular process are you using? For myself. Yes. I do what I, I try, what I preach. <laughs> and uh, at 80 years old, I, people almost fall over when I tell them my age. <laughs> I have to brag a little bit. Uh-huh. My skin is not wrinkled at all. And, uh, but I believe you're so right. You know, we, we are made of mostly water, and we need water. We need to moisturize, and we have to do everything to try to protect um, our skin and, yeah, and keep our moisture in, you know. So with the sun, the, the good weather coming, um, women have to be extremely careful because the sun is can be damaging. We need the sun for to be healthy, but we have to learn to use it wisely mm-hmm. and protect our skin. Now, on the steam, uh, are you using a facial steamer or are you using a, a wash rag as a steamer? In other words, you're getting the wash rag very hot and laying it on the skin, or are you using a facial steamer for your steam? A facial... You mentioned the fact that you steam the face before you put the moisturizer on. And, of course, you're saying moisturizer as a formulated product, not moisture as a natural water. It's a formulated product to apply. Well, of course, but I always, you know, it's always mixed with water. I Mm -hmm. spray... Um, use toner, which I usually blend. The toner with. now is not a 100% water. Um, water. But what are you doing? Oh, you mentioned, and I was excited to hear that because I'm a believer of steam. Uh, steam. Uh, what What are you using to prepare that? You said you steam the skin. Yeah, I do. I do as I uh, make a moisturizer already penetrate in the skin. This is, you know, I, I just want to moisturize that skin because I know that's what is going to keep it supple and um, prevent to have wrinkle at a very early age. <laughs> right. What I, okay, we don't have a lot of time left, and we'll have to have you back again someday. Oh, well. What I would like to listen to understand that you've been educating us about is it's very important to take care of the skin. It's vital. Every, all year round. And I would say for men as much as women of course. and children should be learning as a child young to take care of their skin and recognize any parts of the skin that could be changing and any detections of possible future of melanoma. It's vital. Right. Um, as people know, I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation, which is the pediatric melanoma research. And uh, we've been donating for years. This is our 11th year concerning about the future of people learning more about their skin and recognizing how dry that air is and causing the skin to be so dry. Uh, we've learned from Lucianne today, who's a skin esthetician, uh, the three steps of taking care of the complexion that she does. And uh, the one thing I'm going to ask you when a person doesn't have a steam at home, what about 
putting a wash rag into a water with draining water from the tap hot and wringing it out just gently to where it doesn't drip and laying that on the skin before you apply your moisturizing cream formulation. Well, I don't have to do that because I steam. Like I yeah, but the, the person steam. at home wouldn't so have kind of open, you know, the pores a, a little bit at the same time. It just prepare the skin. Exactly. So it would open the pores. Your body is 98 degrees. So when you're steaming it and opening the pores, you could do it with a wash rag. After you're, as you're rinsing, uh, the, whatever you're using to clean your skin, the first step, you could lay a hot wash rag uh, comfortable to the skin and open it also if you're at home. Am I right? Yes, you could do that. But you, you have to make sure you always end your little treatment on a cool thing. To close the pores. Yeah, cold. A warm, open, uh, cold close. Yeah, closes. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. We have to go. Oh. Lucianne, it went fast, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I think everybody knows how important it is to go see a skin esthetician. You have a lot of information and knowledge. Yes, I, I wish we had more time. I had so much to say. I know. I didn't say. I know, and we will again. We'll do this again. Okay, Sarah. Okay, you have a nice day, and thank you for giving us your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Today our guest is Barb Baines who is the Public Information Officer with the Olympic National Park in Port Angeles, Washington. Are you with us, Barb? Yes, I am. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. I was really excited to hear um, that you could join us today and provide us education about uh, the Olympic National Forest. When I was reading this, I could not believe I'm sitting in Oregon, you're sitting up in Washington with all of that earth information there, I, I'll call it. Tell us before we start what you do at the National Parks and why you chose to be with the National Parks. Well, I, I work here at Olympic National Park as the public information officer, so it's my job to work with members of the media to try to get word out to the public about the National Park and how people can come and enjoy it, uh, how they can uh, recreate in the park, uh, how they can come and uh, see all the magnificent resources that we have here. And uh, I grew up, uh, actually, when I was 13, I decided I wanted to be a park ranger. And, oh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had uh, grown up with uh, my mom and dad taking me to a lot of different national parks and um, kind of hit on my career choice when I was only 13. So it worked out well for me. Well, you know, I have to tell you, I don't think people understand all that has come. Uh, you've all had to do to become the what you're doing for all of us to make this earth system operate and give us the information but also be hands-on to make it all possible for us. And this is why each week we've been having national park directors on. Um, and so you chose at 13 years old, and I would recommend a lot of young people think about that, um, that like to go camping and love the nature of our earth and educating and wanting to help preserve that. Uh, I, the, one of the reasons I was excited to have you on, too, Barb, it says water defines Olympic National Park and the, uh, the Olympic National Parks. Water defines Olympic National Park. Explain that. Well, you know, we have water in all its forms here uh, and lots of it. Um, probably the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, we have uh, uh, 922,000 plus acres, uh, and that includes mountains, it includes valleys that uh, harbor old growth rainforest, many of them, and we also have uh, over 70 miles of coastline along the Pacific Ocean, wilderness coast. So we have the Pacific Ocean, 73 miles of that coastline, and it's undeveloped. Uh, most of it is congressionally designated wilderness. And then as you head inland, um, where there's also a, an area that uh, in the rainforest valleys, those are the uh, big broad valleys that uh, face towards the west, those valleys capture uh, uh, up to about 12 feet of rain every year as the Pacific storms move off the ocean, come inland, start going up the, the western flanks of the Olympic Mountains. Uh, they basically draw off up to 12, and even in places over 12 feet of rain every year. 12 feet? 
12 feet. Now, um, also, you have, tell us about your old rainforest, uh, about some of how old are they, do you believe? Well, it's variable, uh, but certainly many, many of the trees, uh, we know there, there are trees that are alive that are, uh, you know, a thousand years old. Um, some, some more, some less. But, um, and of course, we, we don't even like to get a, uh, uh, a super accurate count on those because um, in order to do that, you need to uh, bore into the tree, which could potentially introduce disease and things. So, uh, but we know that many of the trees in the old, in the forest, in the rainforest, and the old growth forest are uh, centuries old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, now you have glaciers. Yes, and as you and you, have uh, you know, you go from the coast to the forests, and then as you as you climb high enough into the into the Olympic Mountains, we do have uh, sixty named glaciers uh, that that are still uh, here in the park. Now, when a person is flying over those mountains, can you see them? Oh yes, yes I, uh, I saw them recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were flying in from the east, uh, coming to do uh, change planes in Seattle, and. We looked down, and I saw a lot of those from the uh, from the plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, um, in the Olympic National Forest, what makes that so unique compared to other national forests? Because I know um, they, they, I've talked to different, different directors, and it's almost like every forest area has its own uniqueness. Well, I you know I'm speaking just about Olympic National Park. Mm-hmm. And and I can tell you about that. Olympic there is neighboring Olympic National Park. There is Olympic National Forest, mm-hmm. which of course has its own attributes, many of which are very similar to Olympic National Park. Mm-hmm. But um, what I'll talk about is Olympic National right park, the park there at the at the core of the Olympic Peninsula. And you know what what makes uh, this park different um, and and unique is, uh, first of all, that we do have these very different ecosystems. We have the coast, the forest, the, including the rainforest, and the mountains with glaciers. So we have a huge diversity of ecosystems and, and a huge diversity, therefore, of plants and animals that live here. So that's one thing. Another thing is, um, is the Olympic Peninsula is very isolated, and uh, again, it's uh, water is a key factor in that. Uh, it's a peninsula, so we have the Pacific on one side, on the west, the Strait of Juan de Fuca, which separates the Olympic Peninsula from Vancouver Island in Canada, and then we have Puget Sound uh, to our east. And uh, because of our o- isolation, we have uh, animals and plants that live on the Olympic Peninsula that don't live anywhere else in the world. We have uh, the Olympic marmot, for example, is unique to the, to the Olympic Peninsula and to the mountains here. We have um, 16 kinds of uh, animals and um, eight different kinds of plants that live here and don't live anywhere else on the planet. And birds must be unusual, too, to come into that area if there's so much uniqueness with the rest of the ecosystem. Well, we have about 300 species of birds that either live year-round or just travel through or, or migrate through or perhaps here, are here for the summer to nest and then um, go further south in the winter. Um, so, yeah, we, and we, we do with, uh, have, of course, seabirds as well as land birds. Uh-huh. That, uh, and how close are you to the Canadian border there? Um, well, from Port Angeles, uh, which is just outside Olympic National Park, the northern boundary, it's uh, 17 miles across the strait over to Vancouver Island. It's about, depending on which ferry you take, it's about a, uh, an hour to an hour and a half. So if a person wants to come wherever in the world, this is an international radio show, Barb. Mm-hmm. If a person comes into the United States and wants to get a, um, uh, go into some of our national forests, uh, where would they go to be able to visit your uh, national forest? Is there a particular park that you would like to recommend? Uh, well, uh, Olympic, as I said, is is over 900,000 acres, and we have several different, more than several, we have a number of different uh, roads that enter into the park. Okay. And so um, people, a, a great starting place is Port Angeles. People can, uh, and often do, fly into Seattle. Uh-huh. Or they might fly into Vancouver, British Columbia, uh-huh. um, but but whether you, know, you pretty much there isn't very, very much access from the west unless you're on a plane. Yeah, um, right. 
uh, but if people come into Seattle or Vancouver, you know, and then and then come across uh, Puget Sound and then arrive on the Olympic Peninsula, there are many different entrances to the park. Uh-huh. Um, starting in Port Angeles, uh, it's just a uh, about a 45-minute drive from Port Angeles up to the best, most accessible uh, mountainous area in the park called Hurricane Ridge. So that's only a 45-minute drive from Port Angeles. Oh, that isn't very far, and it's so beautiful up there for any drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We and, then, uh, and then in order to visit uh, and experience the coast uh-huh. or the rainforest, then it's a little bit further, somewhere between... Uh, maybe an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half to get to mm-hmm. those places. And all beautiful drives. Uh, yeah. Barb, we have a listener uh, who's called in who wants to ask you a question. Are, uh, are you there, Terry? Yes, I am. Uh, Terry, would you like to ask? Barb is the national spokes, uh, well, the, uh, spokesperson for the National Parks in, in Olympia and the Olympic National Parks from Port Angeles, Washington. Uh, what would you like to ask her? Well, my question is, is, is there any time that's better than the next to be able to experience all the wonders of the park, to come and visit? And any time, you're asking? Yeah, is there a particular time of year that you recommend as a really good time to go visit the park? Well, you know, it depends on what you're after. This, this time, I think, right now that we're in, in the spring, is a wonderful time. There aren't as many visitors, um, and the, the rainforest, this is probably the you know, the most beautiful, lush time of year to see the rainforest. All the new leaves are coming out, and it's and uh, it's easy to see elk, usually, Roosevelt elk. Beautiful. Um, there's still snow up in the mountains, and so you have that beautiful snow-covered kind of look. Um, the one uh, potential downside, depending on what you're after, is that it's a little cooler, and the weather... Uh, can be very warm one day, and it can be chilly in the 50s the next, and we do still get rain. What about uh, camping? Hmm? Is there any camping sites? Uh, mm-hmm. and, there, and the right at, at this time of year, we do have uh, camping open throughout the park. Okay. And then, but if you're looking, if, if you're really interested in dry weather, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, um, the driest time of year here usually is August and September. And uh, in September, I, I love September. It's still warm. It's still usually pretty dry, but there aren't quite as many people around. So you have um, some of the trails and campgrounds a little bit more to yourself in September. And the dew starts getting heavy again at night, and the smell is delicious in September. Terry, did you have another question? Yes, I did. Um, do you have guided tours of the park? Uh, yes, particularly in the summer, uh, our busiest time from about... Uh, the end of June through usually the end of September, it's pretty easy to find uh, guided walks with rangers and also evening campfire programs. And, and in the winter, we also offer, on the weekends, we have um, guided snowshoe walks up at Hurricane Ridge. Oh, how interesting. That sounds exciting for families and individuals to go for a mm-hmm. uh, getaway. And today, everything is so busy and crowded. That sounds just wonderful. Uh, Terry, thank you for your call. Those Thank are good you. Questions. Have a nice day. You have a nice day. Bye-bye. Barb, uh, on the ecosystems uh, in the Olympic National Forest, what do you do with your watersheds and, and, uh, and the global warming thinking? Uh, our listeners would like to know probably more about what you're doing uh, with planning. Well, one very important and very exciting project that we have here at Olympic National Park is restoration of the Elwha River. Um, the Elwha River was once uh, one of the largest uh, salmon streams on the Olympic Peninsula, was the lar- largest salmon-supporting stream in the, on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, it, has, it used to have all ten species of Pacific salmon and steelhead. And uh, about in the early part of the 1900s, 1914, uh, the first of two dams was built. And uh-huh. both of the dams on the Elwha River were built uh, for hydroelectric power, and neither one of them uh, provided any way for the fish to get around the dams to go upstream to reach their spawning grounds. So uh, over time, the salmon runs have dwindled and are just a tiny fraction of what they were prior to the dams being built. And the plan that we have... And in fact, it's more than just a plan at this point. Is uh, is that we are uh, 
engaged in the process of restoring the river, and that will include removing both of those dams. It's uh, one of the largest dam removal projects um, ever proposed. Uh, One of the dams is over 200 feet high, and uh, within probably the next five to seven years, we anticipate taking those dams down and Uh restoring the the salmon to to that watershed. Now, when the salmon are coming up, they're coming up from the Pacific Ocean? Yes. Uh-huh. They, they come in from the Pacific uh, through up into the Strait of Juan de Fuca and, and then up into the Elwha. And, and the name of the river is what? It's the Elwha River. Elwha. E-L-W-H-A. Okay. Ecosystem. Okay. Now, the, um, that is always exciting for me because the, the, uh, the theme of the show is the power of water here on this mm-hmm. earth and uh, global warming thinking. And, Barb, what, the, uh, what we're trying to do is get people thinking about when global warming is happening, we need to be, think about our health living with this earth for generations to come mm-hmm. because uh, the earth is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people to be able to go to uh, the Olympic National Park and enjoy the, the smell, the beauty, and, and values of what you're offering to all people from all over the world. Um, how many people do you think come to the national park there and the Olympic National Park a year? Well, we've been uh, holding steady about uh, just over 3 million visits every year. My goodness. Yeah. Do so you have a lodge up there anywhere? Like at Crater Lake in Oregon, there's a lodge. And is there a lodge someplace that's very well known that people come to? Or so We actually have several uh, lodges in the park. There are, uh, there's one along the coast. There are two located along, uh, a very beautiful lake called Lake Crescent, uh, that's about only a half hour west of Port Angeles. Uh-huh. And then we also have another lodge that is, uh, it's called the Soldock Hot Springs Resort because we also have, uh, a couple hot springs located within the park and the Soldock Resort has, um, uh, pools and uh it's a developed hot spring area that people can go and enjoy the taking the water and uh having massages and then of course stay oh, overnight at the lodge. Now, is there fishing at any of the lodges? Uh there's fishing in many areas throughout the park. So yes. Yes. Now, indeed. do any of the lodges are they on any lakes at all? Well, the, there are two. There's the Lake Crescent Lodge and then mm-hmm. there's another one called the Log Cabin Resort and both of those are uh, lakefront right along Lake Crescent. Okay. Now, that's exciting for a family to be able to know to travel and come to the wherever in the world um, uh, to come into the lodges and spend some time, too, if they're not going to be camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left. Is there something that you'd like to educate our listeners about uh, thinking about taking care of our national forests and what you're trying to do to get people involved? I think the most important thing is that, is that we really want to invite people of all ages, uh, kids, families, elders, anyone, to come and enjoy the national parks. We have something here, I think, for just about anyone. There are uh, short uh, nature trails. Many of them are wheelchair accessible, and they're, of course, accessible to people pushing strollers or with tiny children who are just learning to walk. So. Uh, we we have a junior ranger program that uh, is. Playing a junior ranger program. Mm-hmm. That that's especially geared for kids to come uh, for just a dollar. Children and that's just a suggested donation. Kids get a booklet that guides them through different ways to learn more about the park, to get out, uh, experience the park with their families, experience the park perhaps on a ranger guided walk. Uh-huh. And at the end of completing their booklet they receive a badge, a Junior Ranger badge, that shows that they've really gotten to know Olympic National Park. Now, that's an exciting... Thank you for mentioning that. So if families decide to travel Mm -hmm. uh, with their children, they can look at a a range ahead of time to be part of the Junior Ranger. Uh, Right. In fact, you can go onto the the, uh, Internet, and if you do a a search, a Google search on Junior Ranger National Park, You'll come up with, uh, you'll, you'll reach a website that lists all the junior ranger programs in all of our national parks. So it is a great way to, uh, help your kids, um, get to know and enjoy and have fun with, with national parks. 
That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> uh, now, um, let's say they're coming to the lodges, and is there something when the children get to the lodge It's a recreation for children, not just for the adults? You know, I think that's pretty variable. Um, the, I know that uh, some of our lodges, I'm, I'm sure that all of them have something for kids. Uh, certainly at the Soldock Hot Springs, there's a swimming pool there with lifeguards. Uh, at Lake Crescent, the two lodges there both have uh, boat rentals that are, are great for families. Um, uh, of course, we want need everybody to wear a, wear a life jacket, uh, but they have rowboats and paddle boats that are a lot of fun. And then along the coast, I think, um, I'm not sure what else kids need other than a, a beach. <laughs> oh, right, and the family. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, when you're talking, your, your voice is, I'm smelling your forest. <laughs> <laughs> and now when I'm talking to you right now, are you, where are you located at the moment? I'm located at our park headquarters, which are in uh, Port Angeles. Okay, well, thank you, and thank all of you for mm -hmm. what you're doing. Tell everyone we said hello there. All right. I sure do appreciate your t what you've decided to do with your dedication to assist this earth and make it all possible for us to go to those parks. Okay, well, thank you. You have a nice day. You too, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, today I think we've learned a lot, and each week I believe on the show. Um, the power of water and global warming, what we all have to do for generations to think about our health living here and the health of our earth to live with us here. We're living with the earth. It's not going to live with us. Uh, we can't force it, but we sure can learn better health. Uh, I'm a um, believer that the skin of your life on this earth is vital to you. It's like the skin of earth. You must take care of it, and I hope this is what you learned from Lucianne Gilson today. Uh, our time is up, and I will say that I believe that Earth's secret for embrace your life that is very precious to you every moment. And I know that Earth is whispering, never say goodbye. You have a nice day.